Yo, what is up, guys? Welcome back to Tag Team, the Pokemon Trading Card Games premier podcasting duo. My name is Riley Holbert, joined, as always, by my fantabulous friend, Mr. J.W. Crewall. J.W., how's it going today? Oh, it's going pretty well. It's good to be back. Heck yeah, man. What's been going on in the uh, the world of Mr. J.W.? Oh, man. Well, I just got back from a vacation in Wisconsin. So if you're listening to the cast and you've been wondering what's happening to the channel recently and why I didn't upload all this week, well, I was on vacation. There you go. Makes sense to me. (laughs) Pretty sweet. It was pretty sweet. We did a bunch of tubing. We did... I tried to water ski, which I tried six times, and I, I was, like, getting better and getting better, and then I was like, you know what? I'm cool. <laughs> and then uh, we went to see a water ski show, the longest running amateur water ski show was located. Very unique in, distinction. Yeah, located in the town that we were at, and they are called the Minaqua Bats, and they do like a bunch of you know pyramids, and they jump off the the ski jumps and <laughs> uh-huh. things like that the most interesting thing that they did they did this thing called barefoot skiing and as mm. you can imagine they they skied barefoot but i thought that was exceptionally interesting so fascinating that's pretty cool well that all sounds really fun and you got ac now and i got ac I think I got a little bit of sun. Things are looking up in the Crewall household, that's for sure. There you go, looking nice and tan. So how about you? Uh, it's been it's been exhausting. Yeah, the project that I was working on went live. The They're not entirely stable yet, I wouldn't say. Um, you know, it takes some time for everyone to get used to the transition, but mm-hmm. it was very stressful over the last week. Uh, things are finally getting to a better place, but it was... It took a lot of direct action from me that was outside of things that I really ever have to do. <laughs> so, yeah. Um, so it was interesting. Uh, so that was exhausting, but I, I had a nice weekend out in the sun. It was very beautiful out here in Wisconsin last weekend. Um, and I'm back in the swing. Epic's also back in the office this week. So I got to see some of my coworkers that I haven't seen in person in basically a year. Um, year and a half even and it's uh it's been an interesting week mm-hmm. yep you know yeah complaint. well you're kind of on the outside of that project right and at this point yeah um i'm still still definitely involved and they have a phase two that i'll be working on um until october cool so cool yeah a lot of going on a lot of going on but always good to be here in the saddle with the premier pokemon podcast so mr jw a huge hot topic here in the pokemon trading card game scene has been the future of the game namely the the rotation um you know in the absence of a world's format you know we're really just kind of jumping right into it you know evolving guys will come out and that'll be the first thing that people are thinking about um so as we were talking earlier today, we thought it would be fun to kind of talk about some things that we think might be good post-rotation. Some of them might be obvious, others maybe less so. Um, and be it because either they're exceptionally good on their own or because 
there's some sort of ancillary benefit to rotation for them. Like a card rotates out that negatively impacts them. Um, yeah. So we have 10 kind of groupings of cards. Like some of them are individual cards. Some of them are cards that kind of fit together. Um, and we'd figure that we'd take this episode and, and walk you through those. So as you prepare for the next month um, for rotation, that you have all this in the back of your head. So, JW, why don't you start us off with the first card of your choosing from this pool? Okay, absolutely. Yeah, we um, thought long and hard about what we should include because there are some cards that, while they may be important for post-rotation um, and they may be in every single deck, they may not have kind of a monetary increase in value. I think we kind of focused a little bit more on what's cheap now that's maybe a little under the radar that you want to make sure that you grab for post-rotation so that you're not caught, you know, having to pay 100, 200, 300% more for that card. <laughs> Always good not to do that. Yeah, absolutely. So, you know, obviously there's a bunch of post-rotation cards like the uh, Professor's Research and Marnie and right. Boss's Orders. Like those are very obvious things, but even some less than obvious things like, you know, Rose or Karina's Focus, like a lot of these kind of supporters or maybe, you know, special energy, those are always going to be cheap. And so we've kind of opted not to include those in our top 10. These are just some of the some of the outliers of the current format that you might be interested in for post-rotation should the format shake out in a certain way. And because we're losing a lot of things, I think there are a lot of uh, potential benefits for grabbing these cards. So the one of the first ones that I thought of coming to mind when we're talking about post-rotation is the loss of Mew from Unbroken Bonds, mm -hmm. that bench barrier ability. I thought for um, the majority of our, our format, Mew has been, if not played in every deck, at least a threat to be played in every deck it can be slotted into um, everything very easily a lot of decks want to have the card um, a lot of decks play the card and so there are some cards that are harmed obviously by playing Mew from Unbroken Bonds one of the biggest is Picaram of course that's going to be <laughs> rotating but with that GX attack that can be uh, wreak, some, wreak some havoc on opposing players so that's one of the use cases of course that's rotating now looking at to you know other use cases we come up on an archetype that has not seen much play, but certainly is kind of looming in the wings as one of the better attacks that I feel like I've seen in the game yeah. um, that just hasn't been played. And that is, of course, Zero Aura V's attack. Now, Zero Aura V does, with its fist attack, 100 damage to the active and 160 damage to the bench if you had a rapid strike Pokemon attack on the following or the, the previous turn. And that just seems really good. 260 for potentially two energy, right? If you have a rapid strike energy attached, um, seems quite good. You can cycle out very quickly. And of course you can utilize the Blaziken to get a little bit of energy acceleration. Yeah. I mean, it's the tale as old as time, right? Where, you know, there was some sort of inhibitor pre-rotation and then post-rotation, it's gone. In this case, the Mew from Unbroken Bonds. And the doors immediately open up for new strategies. Um, you know, we've seen this historically with, you know, cards like Garboder as well that were, you know, pretty oppressive towards certain strategies. Uh -huh. um, kind of in a similar vein, another thing that can be oppressive to 
you know, a deck's success is obviously weakness. You know, we talk a lot around the podcast about how weakness is incredibly influential in the Pokemon trading card game because that times two is just massive. Um, and so another combo of cards that I wanted to call out is the Fire Week cards. So, you know, we were talking a little bit before the cast about these, uh, them being Corviknight VMAX and Orbital VMAX, both these massive... Um, fire weak Pokemon that kind of had these heal based strategies. So when yeah. you go in in a fire matchup, it kind of like makes your whole strategy completely moot. Um, right. So both of these cards I really enjoy. I was a big fan of like the the Cheryl heavy or Beetle deck, um, and Corviknight basically plays into the same kind of strategy where you tank a lot of hits, you heal up to full with Cheryl to fully utilizing the power of that card and progressively wear your opponent out of the game. Um, it's a tried and true strategy to have those like gigantic Healy Pokemon. Um, and the removal of their main engine for their weakness is notable. I will preface that by saying that uh, Victini obviously is still around. You know, it is a two energy attacker that can hit these guys for weakness. But I think Victini doesn't like have the best place overall in the metagame i would say like right. yeah it has that 220 damage but um so much so many of these other vmaxes can do such incredible things that um it doesn't really feel that special just to be able to do 220 for two <laughs> right um yeah so that's kind of that's kind of my thought there is just being able to consistently you know have these gigantic pokemon that are healing and dealing out tons of damage I mean, it doesn't seem like you can go wrong with that. No, absolutely not. And just having, yeah, again, there's weaknesses that will ebb and flow. There are strong archetypes that will ebb and flow. Um, fire seems solid right now in the meta. You know, of course, you're um, beating up on those Pokemon that we just mentioned, but also things like uh, Lucario Melmetal, any random Zacians that are out there um, in, you know, ADP decks. And so, you know, fire fairly well poised but of course you lose one of your biggest you know if if not the only main reason to play fire in welder and so absolutely i think that we have an opportunity to see some of these fire week v maxes see a little more play absolutely what else is popping up on your mind jw so one other set of cards i kind of want to group these together again um are just the auxiliary draw cards now, again, let's talk about first what we're losing. We're losing one of the best draw cards of all time into Dene GX. And now losing that, there's going to be a void to fill, right? Uh, Dene GX, very notable because you discarded your entire hand and drew a fresh six. That's great pretty much at any point in the game. Um, obviously was limited that once per turn effect uh which just would have been ridiculous if that was not a part (laughs) of the you know ability since like we had cards like shaman that could just churn through an entire deck on the first turn but the dene very very strong especially just because you could dump things that you didn't necessarily need in those early turns or even those mid and late turns and then get a fresh hand Uh, yeah i don't want to harp on it but like the 
especially in the current state of the game where I feel like you can have like a lot of clunk. It's yeah. so good to be able to just toss it. <laughs> it's it's so good. Yeah, I'm I'm really curious how how decks look like next format just because we do lose that Dedenne like is I don't know, how will decks be built? It, it it's just curious. Uh, and it'll be something that uh, we'll certainly be covering here on the cast. But how do we fill the void post rotation? One idea would be with Snorlax and or Sinchino. Now those cards have already seen play in the current standard, which you know that is maybe a little bit of an indicator, right? If they're already seeing play, not in high counts, but they have their use cases. If they're already seeing play, current format and we're losing draw power, then certainly they would be cards to keep an eye on for the next format. And so I think Snorlax, you know, of course you have that just really nice setup and and, and a lot of synergy actually with VMAX style decks, right? Because Mm -hmm. you have a one prizer in the active and then you're trying to set up three prizers. So, you know, like with the Orbital decks that we've seen in this current standard, you can go ahead and leave, uh, you know, a Snorlax, maybe even two Snorlaxes active, while you're setting up, get your couple of VMAXs in play, and hopefully they can just sweep from there. Um, so Snorlax, I give a lot of credence for post-rotation, especially when we lose ADP, right? That's a real benefit of having that one prizer to set up is you just throw it active, let that take a few hits, you know, get knocked out, whatever. And it doesn't really matter because we have um, those VMAXs coming up that's going to augment the prize trade seven or eight prizes that your opponent has to take to win the game. Yeah, and just right starting now, Snorlax is so good, too. Yeah, super good. And, like, right now we have ADP that kind of goes around things, right, where you're like, okay, ADP <laughs> knocks out a Snorlax, and then and then they just have to knock out one VMAX, right? So that kind of flips the whole thing on its head, maybe it makes Snorlax less viable uh, this current format than next. But one to watch out for. Another thing, you know, we're taking away the draw power again of the Dedenne. Sinchino seems like an obvious kind of replacement for that as well so Sinchino does a little bit of you know damage you know you got the 40 and energy excel that's not too shabby uh but mostly that trade ability i think we'll see some significant play as we look to augment how we draw cards in the next format hey man it's not trade it's make do let's get it right uh, i know that what did i say that trade like ability <laughs> 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 yeah, I, I totally agree. And I both of these cards have really seen a substantial amount of play already um, yeah. when they're competing with the Dene. So the fact that you know, the Dene is rotating, the format will likely have to accommodate that either by slowing down, which benefits these cards, or by just having alternative mechanisms to draw, which also benefits these cards. Sure. Um, so really excited to, to get my hands and play with those. I did want to talk about another set of cards that we resoundingly agreed upon uh, precast, and that's going to be the Inteleon line in very similar vein to what we've talked about with Snorlax and Chinchino. Being able to dig through your deck is obviously incredibly valuable. We've seen the Inteleon line splashed into an obscene number of decks in the current format uh, with the introduction of the the rapid strike Inteleon engine. So, you know, what do you got going on with Inteleon? Like, obviously, you have the rapid strike Sobble that makes it easier to search it out. You have the item search Drizzile, and then you have both the search and the snipe on the Inteleon. 
So just the amount of versatility that you get every single turn of the game where you're playing Inteleon, it just opens up an absurd number of options, and it's so, so good. Uh, if you haven't tried out decks that are using the Inteleon engine, I honestly recommend that you do, because it's a very satisfying game plan to play, where you're just plucking exactly what you need out of the deck every turn, and then sniping in the late game. Uh, it's a blast. But it can be really confusing too, right? It can, it can be, be, yeah. It can be frustrating. It can be... And um, honestly, those decisions like, which yeah. Inteleon do I evolve into, even, can be really difficult sometimes. Yeah, absolutely. Exactly. I, I was just going to say, like, if you're playing that split of uh, the final stage, it can really make your head spin. You know, do I want that extra 20 damage? Do I want the two items? Which two items do I want? When <laughs> yeah. do I want them? You know, it just there's a lot of decision making, especially when you have that uh, dual count of Inteleon. So um, certainly be prepared both by playing these cards and also buying these cards. Do not be caught, you know, fumbling around trying to look for your Inteleon. No, really, line. like getting getting the uh, the actual Inteleon. I feel like the Josiah and the Sabo will probably be fine, but getting the Inteleons themselves, I feel like that's going to be one of those cards where it surprises people by like how much it spikes up. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, moving on. Uh, some of these are a little more obvious, right? But they still are worth mentioning. Um, so for me, one VMAX that I currently don't have, because I haven't played any standard format in person yet, uh, but that I want to make sure that I have is Eternatus VMAX. Now, Eternatus VMAX deadlocked in this kind of, um, you know, dark week meta, right? So you're, you're seeing a lot of um, ADP, Moltres, you're seeing a lot of Eternatus to try to counter all of the Shadow Rider Calyrex. Um, but just taking it at face value, of course we have, you know, Galarian Moltres, or excuse me, Galarian Art uh, Zapdos that, you know, one-shots the Eternatus. But that is less of a concern <laughs> Did you say every other bird before Zapdos? <laughs> <laughs> it's like... It's like dads with their children. Did, <laughs> did your dad ever do that? Honestly, like, I think my mom did that more than my dad, but yeah. Okay. <laughs> go through all the other kids, and then you get to the one that you want. But anyway, so you got the Galarian Zapdos that uh, you know takes care of Eternatus. But that, I mean, really hasn't slowed the deck down too much. I would certainly argue that Eternatus is still somewhere, uh, certainly towards the top, like, third of archetypes that you could play right now that are viable for competitive play. So um, Eternatus, one card, or one deck, one set of cards that I would absolutely make sure that I have. That power is so overwhelming, especially when you can get it on turn two. This yeah. makes for really hard times for your opponent. Absolutely. Uh, so we've reached the halfway point of our top ten here, um, top ten pods of cards, I suppose. I did want to call out some honorable mentions before we jump into the card of the day. Um, so one in particular that I feel like we need to talk about, uh, just because I think there's some interesting conversation there, is the Amazing Rare Jirachi. Um, that was one that people were definitely hyped up on a couple months ago, um, you know, looking ahead towards post-rotation as potentially kind of a draw engine or, um, you know, draw Pokemon out. And... When we were building this list, we weren't exactly as hot on it. Um, I just think just the fact that, that you have these options like Inteleon that are much smoother and overall more reliable kind of reduce the value of Jirachi, despite the fact that Jirachi is a basic. Uh, yep. Do you have any further thoughts about why we might not include Jirachi, but you know it's still an okay card? 
Yeah, I mean, Jirachi is good. Again, I don't know that it, like with a lot of these other cards, Jirachi doesn't seem like the card that um, will get particularly big in a lot of decks. Um, I could be completely wrong about that, but it seems maybe only, um, you know, if it were to see play, it would see play in a select number of decks. And then again, if it were to see play, it would probably only see play in like a one or a two count, just as I kind of pivot yeah. in that mid to late game. So, you know, it, it's it's not quite as good as I think we... No, uh, I, I think you're right. I think Jirachi be. fits in best as like a one-of, slap an air balloon on it, it's your pivot kind of card. Um, yeah. But not as like an actual reliable draw engine. It's not Stellar Wish. Like, we can't force it into that box. Right. And we're also getting um, a new kind of Jirachi, maybe arguably better Jirachi coming out in the next set. Are we not? I don't remember. Is that coming yeah, out next there, set? There, I believe it's coming out next set. There's a card that uh, that you look at the top six, and you take you take an item. Oh yeah, that is coming out in Evolving Skies. Yep, to pair with I all the other. I believe that's that's um, Pixies. Yes, exactly. I, I'm forgetting the name of it right now, but but there is that kind of uh, that kind of card coming back. You know, Jirachi in essence is coming back, um, <laughs> and and arguably better. So yeah, I think you know with, with that, uh, y- you look at Jirachi being kind of the amazing rare, being one of those overlooked cards. You know, saw a little bit of play in things like Colossal back when it was released, but never really caught on. And I just don't think there's going to be space for it post rotation. I think that's a fair assessment. Um, another card that we didn't have make our list but is notable is going to be the Cricketune V. Uh, we were super hyped on this card heading into um, last format with Battle Styles, and it hasn't really shown up to, to play. Um, you know, I think it kind of harkens back to what we were talking to earlier, honestly, about Dedenne being able to think cards out of your hand. It's You find yourself in low hand count scenarios that much more rarely i feel like in this format like even when i'm dead drawing off a marnie it's like i have five cards i just can't play them all you know um i don't know if you have further thoughts there on on cricketude jw well i i don't know i feel like hands are about to get really big post rotation like we don't have the cycling that we did well that's what i'm saying that's what i'm saying yeah yeah Yeah, it's it's like Cricketune just doesn't seem as good. I mean, I guess if you're like pairing Cricketune with Rose, which which we haven't quite done yet in this format, but I guess could be possible in the next format. That's valid. Um, That's valid. But you're never really getting those smaller hand sizes. Yeah, I would agree. So. I would agree. Yeah, Cricketune really hasn't shown up to play, and I, there's going to be less options to make your hand <laughs> reset next format. So I don't really, and there's also we lose reset stamp as well. So like. You don't need that same insurance that you may have used to. So I don't really see Cricketune getting any better post-rotation. Right, exactly. Any other mentions you want to give, JW? Honorable mentions. I mean, I, I was thinking about, you know, again, like, um, maybe there's some other VMAX archetype that gets a little bit better post-rotation. We lose Picaram, of course, the lightning type. So maybe there's a thought that... Um, a water VMAX gets significantly better. The two right now that you think of are, of course, Lapras and Inteleon. But um, those would be, you know, a couple of honorable mentions. I'm always going to love Inteleon. I don't know. I don't <laughs> Even know though that it there's... ruined your life? It, yeah, it absolutely did. I know. Uh, I, 
I, uh, I, we can laugh about that now. It's all good. Um, but, uh, yeah, I think like those, those two could be good. Again, you're, you're losing a weakness. That's pretty bad, but you're not really hitting anything for weakness. <laughs> um, so, you know, where that leaves you, I'm not entirely sure, but certainly there's room for those to be good, especially with the deck, like, um, like Italian, that can two shot, disrupt some energy, and uh, or like v- the uh, Lapras V Max that can just go ahead and one shot anything in its path. Absolutely, perfect. So let's transition then into our card of the day, Sir JW. I have a Pokedex entry for you, and yeah. if you can guess the Pokemon, I will give you five dollars. Okay. So, Pokedex entry is as follows. Don't Google. Um, okay. <laughs> they gather on moonlit nights to form a large chorus their cries sound angry and not at all pleasant but they are certainly distinctive oh i feel like i know this <laughs> say it one more time all right one more time for all the money they gather on moonlit nights to form a large chorus. Their cries sound angry and not at all pleasant, but they are certainly distinctive. <sighs> okay, so I'm just thinking of the the Pokemon anime. Uh-huh. And there's there's a couple of times where Pokemon gather round. <laughs> I feel like sing, Pokemon gather round quite frequently. In the anime. But they like all sing to the moon. Yeah. Do you remember the Do you remember the Venusaur episode? I do. Yeah. Yeah, that's like what I'm thinking. But I'm gonna say, I th- I think I think I'm gonna say Clefairy. That's a good guess for sure, in line with the anime. Unfortunately, it is not Clefairy. Um, Oof. You can get a second guess for one dollar if you'd like. Well, my second guess would be would be Bulbasaur then. <laughs> it's not Bulbasaur either. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, nuts. The card of the day is Politoed EX from EX Unseen Forces. Politoed cries to the moon? Politoed? They cry to the moon all right in a large chorus what as, the as heck? well. Yeah. I had no idea. It's kind of a thing. <laughs> that is crazy. So the the reason that I chose Politoed EX is twofold. Uh, first, it is a longtime staple of our good friend Natalie Champagne's old decks. Um where you play it with the fossils and it's just a ton of fun but also i was in kind of a nostalgic mood today i was talking to one of my friends the other day and just thinking about cards that we enjoyed together um and we really enjoyed cards with interesting attack names and polytoad ex is probably the king of interesting attack names it has three attacks all of which you could call interesting Uh, it has upward lick punch and run and swallow up as it's three attacks let's go that's just three bangers in a row right there that's so true 
<laughs> so, I mean, you can, like, if you Google, like, funny Pokemon attacks, like, you'll see all three from this Polytone on the list. <laughs> so that's just so cool. The card is, is awesome. It has just his tongue, like, sticking out, like, ready to slap someone with his upward lick. And it's actually got it's a place me. in a deck, which is even cooler. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I don't want to be on the receiving end of one of them upward licks. You punch and run is a legitimate strategy. <laughs> Punching and run. What, what do you play it with? You play it with uh, just a bunch of the fossils from the time they didn't give up a prize. Oh, so it's like a Don fan. Yeah, it's kind of like a Don fan deck. And then you could also do like other cool. Yeah, attacks. and then you have swallow up and upward lick for like alternate options. Yeah. Wow. So super wow. cool card. Definitely recommend checking it out if you haven't seen it before and. If you're lucky, you may hear a polytoad sing in a chorus in the night. I wonder what that sounds like. Apparently not good. <laughs> <laughs> but it is distinctive. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. That so, rocks. With that, with the blessings of polytoad behind us, let's jump back in to some of the cards that we're looking at for post-rotation. Um since we did talk about Eternatus, I think it's only fair that we talk about some more of the obvious offenders here. Um, one of the most obvious ones being Shadow Rider Calyrex. Um, if you haven't picked up Shadow Rider already, I would look at doing it sooner than later. Uh, because what will inevitably happen is when we start to learn more about actual sanctioned events coming the prices of important cards like Shadow Rider will skyrocket. Um, yes. So Shadow Rider, you all know the drill. You know why this card is good. I don't need to harp on it for you. I recommend getting it if you plan on playing it anytime soon after rotation. And it's relatively cheap. Um, I, I'm sure if you bought from a local card store, you could probably, and they, assuming they had a full playset, you could probably get it for around eighty dollars. Um, I found for Shadow Rider on TCG Player or eBay, like a playset, and I bought them each for five dollars, which you know, I mean, fine, right? For for arguably one of the better cards um in the game and then for the v maxes they go somewhere between 15 and 25 dollars so again if you're listening to this cast and you think like maybe this would be a deck that you would you know at least look into playing at some point like the alchemy uh shadow rider which is probably going to be the way you play it heading into uh heading into post rotation then certainly pick yourself up a play set of these guys and i would also say in that vein if you think that alchemy is a superior version which it seeming more and more like it might be get the alchemies as well because those aren't yeah. super easy to find like just from a pure pack perspective so you don't want to end up with your pants down on that one yeah for sure and this i mean frankly this also goes for for online as well um, yeah oh yeah make sure you know certainly soon like make sure that you're getting these cards too because we've seen some ridiculous spikes from cards that do not deserve to be worth as much as they're worth in the online game and yet for some reason and we've seen they it in just real life go too. Crazy. we've seen cards just go to obscene values what was one that you remember recently i i think the most obvious offender was shaman ex went up to like 110 dollars oh after goodness. rotation that year that's so crazy yeah I tapu remember... lele was also really bad Really? 
I didn't think Tapu Lele was all that bad. It's what got up I, to like 80, like I think. $80 for one? Oh my goodness. I think so. I think back, when I think of like a card spike, I think of like Shining Lugia. <laughs> that one was so random. <laughs> that that was didn't that jump to like forty or sixty dollars? Yeah, that one was was bizarre. <laughs> that one was crazy, man. And the card saw play at one event, so yeah. <laughs> no, no, not true. It saw play at like two events, didn't it? Didn't it see play in Australia and then it saw play in like Philly and then that was pretty much it. I was really only thinking of Philly. <laughs> yeah. So. Um. In any case, <laughs> get your creamies. Get your cream. Get your Shadow Rider. Don't be caught. Don't be caught slipping on those. That's right. Jerry, what's next on the docket here? Well, we got another, again, obvious one, but people haven't played in a long time. And there are probably people listening to this cast that got into the Pokemon trading card game over pandemic. So if you're one of those people, and you just need another reminder that, again, this is one of the best cards, and you should make sure to pick it up. Grab your Zashin Vs. Grab your Zashin Vs. Uh, great attack. Excellent ability. Um, this card can be played in just about any deck. I mean, just for the ability alone, right? There are those mm -hmm. first few turns where you're looking for resources um, in a lot of decks. Like, it, it doesn't make sense in a lot of decks, but, like, it's it certainly could be played. Um in, in pretty much any deck just for that uh, extra draw power and who knows again we're talking about kind of the Dedenne uh, you know what replaces Dedenne it very well could be for a number of decks Zashin just to build that hand up in the early game yeah attack is great that doesn't change still has you know um, a lot of the tools right it's got your metal saucers it's got Bronzong it's got um the Galarian Meowth Perserker line. It's got uh, the Rusted Sword. Like, there's still a number of cards that interface extremely well <laughs> with Zashin. So, just make sure you have your playset. Of course, there's a lot of versions out there. You got the gold, the the you know, there's the tin. full art, the tin, you know, etc. But um, those could still certainly spike, no doubt. Absolutely, and it's a card that you need <laughs> for sure. But you've yeah. even seen like pure Zashian decks like do well in post rotation events, so don't yeah. slip in. Yeah. Um I'll go over one more obvious one and then our last two will be some some more uh, more hidden offenders here. So that's gonna be Rapid Strike Urshifu V Max. Um again, similar to what JW was saying, a lot of us have really only played online over the last year and may not have picked up some of the staples from the last couple of sets. Um, so even though Rapid Strike is in a worse position now because of the rise of Shadow Rider, it is still a phenomenal card to have, especially if things like Zero Aura or Eternatus continue to thrive in a post-rotation format. You know, Rapid Strike can come in and really capitalize on those. Um, mm. Rapid Strike also benefiting, similar to Zero Aura, with the removal of Mew from the format being able to use its G-Max Rapid Flow much more freely, which um, was truly an inhibitory part of that deck, like not being able to use your second attack to its full effect almost ever, <laughs> right. um, to being able to use it whenever you want. Um, Rapid Strike can really prey on slower decks that are trying to set up by just slamming Rapid Flows on them quickly. So 
definitely not a card to sleep on. It's going to still be good. And even if Shadow Rider is still the best deck, there will be dark decks that are trying to capitalize on that. And Rapid Strike takes advantage of those nicely. Yeah, no doubt. I think that Rapid Strike, uh, a really skill-based card. You got the couple of attacks. You can snipe. You can do more damage to the active. I mean, it's one of those cards that um, certainly is um, uh, favors the better players that play it. And I think that'll be no uh, no different, certainly, post-rotation. You get a little bit of, um, I don't know if you want to call it, like, there's some flavors that you can play with, right? Like, currently we're seeing Tapu Koko go into some of these Rapid Strike decks to get that energy acceleration so that you can do the G-Max Rapid Flow back-to-back a little bit easier. Um, I think post-rotation, I mean, of course, we lose the Tapu Koko, uh, but you could play it with something like the Blaziken, you yeah. know? Again, right? Or like if you you're feeling ahead. really crafty, you could go for the Galarian Moltres energy switch. That could be another possibility, right? So there's some flavors that we're not seeing right now, but certainly post-rotation we could see um, be played a little more. Absolutely. JW, we're on the home stretch. What you got All for right. us? Yeah, my last card here is Houndoom. <laughs> Houndoom. So Houndoom, uh, the the single strike, of course, Houndoom. Not, not that there's... I think any other Houndoom, but uh, the single strike Houndoom. <laughs> I, with the, is there another Houndoom? <laughs> I I think there is one in standard, but not one for post rotation. Okay, so, that's what I was wondering. Is there like a sword and shield Houndoom that isn't a single strike? No, no, no. I think I don't think there's another sword and shield. Yeah, one that, no, we're on the same page. <laughs> okay, yeah, you got it. So single strike roars the ability. Of course, you search your deck for a single strike Pokemon or, or single strike energy, and you attach it to one of your single strike Pokemon. Uh, this is just going to be good because at some point they have to release a good single strike, you know, a good single strike Pokemon. Or do they? Oh, yeah. well, fair <laughs> enough. But, you know, it's one of those cards that you want to have around because when they announce that new single strike Pokemon that does have much better synergy than what we've seen come out, you want to be prepared. That's kind of my my thought on this card. Uh, Houndoom, energy acceleration from the deck for essentially free is always really nice. It it just needs that pairing uh, to make it really work. We've seen it work with um, with the single strike Urshifu. Not a bad deck, and arguably gets um, you know maybe a little bit better poised. Arguably, again, there's probably going to be a very significant psychic contingent, which is one of uh one of the biggest weaknesses of the deck but arguably gets better but i think i think you know that one has always kind of stayed in that tier two or lower list the, the houndoom urshifu but also i think Urshifu. what's that also tornadus tornadus yeah you could also play with tornadus um and then there's there's bound to be if we keep up with this single strike rapid strike kind of uh printing of cards there's bound to be something good for it's only fair coming up it's only fair it's only fair it's such a good ability <laughs> yeah i'm a huge fan of single strikes so uh, you know i'm going to be picking up my hound dooms even if it means that i'm going to just be slamming tornadus and <laughs> and Urshifu. there you go awesome so the last card here today is um more of a fun one 
and but I think it is notable. Uh, JW, this actually was your idea initially, but I, I kind of vibe with it the longer it's been <laughs> sitting on my screen here, and that is the Togekiss VMAX line. Uh, so if you're unfamiliar, the Togekiss VMAX, basically you do 120 for two, and you can search out a couple of cards from your deck for your next turn. Uh, very similar to cards like Sylveon from the GX era, uh, except it actually does damage, so it applies that offensive pressure while searching out your deck. Um, so typically you'll see Togekiss in standard. It'll be played with some of these more Healy cards, kind of like Corviknight and Orbeetle. But I think the reason I actually like Togekiss even more is that post-rotation, in my mind, is likely signaling the start of events happening soon again. And um, there's actually been a decent amount of success with Togekiss in Expanded. Um, it's been a pretty successful archetype, and it seems all the, all the more well-poised. And this is like just one of those things where... You know, if you slip on cards that are going to be good, they end up biting you. Right, right. And it's cheap. Again, it should be, you know, somewhere between 2 to $5, right? Right now, Togekiss uh, is a bulk V, VMAX, um, so not too expensive. But it's one of those cards, again, you know, you could see it go certainly 5 to 10 maybe 10 to 15 right? It, it, it could sneakily sneak up, just depending on... <laughs> sneakily uh, sneak up. Sneakily sneak up, you know how it goes. As you right? do, <laughs> as you do for sure. So, um, yeah, certainly one of those cards that you'd look at and say, "Hey, I want to pick up a pair or a playset while it's cheap." For real, for real. Especially if that's a strategy that you enjoy. Yeah, no harm in it. No Absolutely in not. It. Especially, especially if you're in a region that has expanded events regularly. Oh, totally. Yeah, in America, there's almost no excuse not to have a. A place at a Togekiss, in my opinion. <laughs> Absolutely. So that brings us through our 10 things to watch out for in post-rotation. Obviously, there are things that aren't on that list that you should make sure that you have taken care of. Make sure you have your boss's orders, your researches, your Marnies, uh, your quick balls, all of that, your energy. <laughs> 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 like those, are, those are definitely here to stay. Uh, but we wanted to try and point out some things that maybe will will change in the landscape of post-rotation. If there are cards that you're wondering if maybe they'll have a better position post-rotation, some general rules of thumbs that we used is does it lose or gain a notable weakness? Um, Does it have a kind of inhibitor card that is leaving or entering the format um, that wouldn't be as present otherwise? or generally, is the power level of the format shifting in a way that's beneficial? Um, one other thing that I'll emphasize as well is um, we didn't call out Path to the Peak on the list, but I think it is another kind of honorable mention because really the the stadium game is is shifting. There's no more Chaotic right. Swell and there's no more Marshadow. So right. stadiums have a lot stronger of a position on the board. So... Um, I would say Path of the Peak is an obvious one where it has benefits there. But really every stadium, in a way, kind of has a power boost from those cards exiting the format. So make sure that you're taking a look at, at all the stadiums you have at your disposal, but Path of the Peak especially. And if your deck is weak to Path of the Peak, find another stadium that will <laughs> counter it. 
Absolutely. Yeah, stadiums are going to be some whole new ball game because, yeah, again, Path and Peak, very good. Um, and I'm just so excited to see how these archetypes play out. Absolutely. I'm excited. I'm excited. It's a new new age once again in the Pokemon trading card game. Yes, and I, you know, when when VMAXs were first announced, I think the uh, the general sentiment was, oh man, you know, more three prize Pokemon. Um, like, can't we go back to the good old days of one prizers? But I think the more that we shift into Sword and Shield only, you know, there have been a few events online, and I think they've been generally well received. But the more that we shift in, and obviously with post rotation. Um, I think people are going to really enjoy the, the health of the format. I think there's a very nice counterplay between do you want to play, um, you know, what what kind of draw engine do you want to play? How do you want to build your deck? What supporting attackers do you want to use? I think there's a lot of um, decision in terms of deck building. And so I think that'll make for a really good format. Yeah, I'm definitely excited. Um, and I will say, even when tag teams are rotated, the tag team podcast <laughs> will stay true. Uh, we are not changing to the V Union podcast or anything crazy like that. So you can feel free to stop asking. <laughs> and with that, be sure to check us out on social media in case you need any updates about whether or not we're changing the name of the show. Uh, you can find us at <laughs> Smiles with Riles, Real John Walter and at tag team pokemon on twitter and if you want to watch us on twitch either to catch the podcast live or see any of our live streams you can find us at munner and at flex daddy righteous that's right we appreciate you guys hanging out with us here whether you're listening on the cast or whether you're listening uh over on your favorite podcasting platform we just appreciate you and your listenership thank you so much and we'll catch you all next time peace see ya